From the time we are young, women are surrounded by messaging that we should be skinnier, nicer, prettier, and less competitive. Messaging comes at us from all directions and social media has only intensified that. Our sense of self-worth can be diminished from such an early age. But there are those women who, despite growing up in a world that may not encourage us, still reach for the stars, who are confident, strong, and achieving incredible things. Some of them wear suits, some wear gowns with tiaras, and some achieve it all in a pair of flip-flops. We want to hear their story so that women of all ages can be inspired to do things they may have never thought possible. It's time for Flip Flops and Tiaras. Hi, this is Jessica and Dr. Harris with Flip Flops and Tiaras. Dr. Harris has a PhD in industrial and organizational psychology with over 13 years experience as a licensed professional counselor. She's also the CEO of Individual and Employee Wellness, which is a wellness center that serves all dimensions of wellness. In addition to her career, she's a mom and like most women, a multitasker with a lot going on. Dr. Harris and I would like to welcome Diane Jones to Flip Flops and Tierras. Diane Jones has survived a bad marriage, foreclosure, bankruptcy, employment termination, loss of a parent, and employment layoff. These experiences strengthened her to pull up her bootstraps and create a job for herself in 2015. After being laid off and interviewing for several larger corporations, she realized that working in that environment was no longer comfortable for her, and she didn't want someone else controlling her future. One devastating termination and one, what the heck layoff was too much for Diane. As Diane was interviewing for positions, she was also chatting with previous co-workers and other small business owners. The idea for Virtual Diva was formed during these conversations, well, and around the happy hour table with friends. If we could work down the hall from one another, can't we work from another building or part of town or city or state? Diane did a few months of testing with two clients in 2015 and continues to work with one of those today. Diane is now remarried to graphic artist Craig Jones, and they run two small businesses together along with Virtual Diva. So hi, Diane, and welcome to Flip Flops and Tierras. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Thank you. You have had a really interesting life journey, and that's why we <laughs> wanted to talk to you. And you have a great business, but we want to know a little bit about the path that kind of led you to that. First, tell us just a little bit about Virtual Diva. Virtual Diva provides administrative support and executive support to small business owners. I started the business in 2015. I've grown with the business to handle different tasks along the way. So what was your inspiration? Uh No, if I would call it inspiration, because really I just started the business because I needed a job. I mean, most people just go get a job. So you started a business. I was interviewing for a job in a office. One man told me they started at eight o'clock promptly. And I was like, well, I'll be fired within a week. (laughs) (laughs) One man was like sitting back in his chair with his arms behind his head. And I thought, you're just going to be a jerk. So the more interviews I went on, the more I just thought, I can't do this. I am sure many people can relate to that. I lost a job in 2009 and then I got lost another job in 2015. And I was like, so I'm going to go look for a job. 
that they're going to tell me to go away in a year and then I have to redo this circle again. I don't want to do this. I started talking to friends and coworkers and previous coworkers about working for them and what I could do for them from my home office. Well, Dr. Harris and I had a podcast recently and we were talking to a business owner and that idea came up in that conversation of how important it is when you have a thought or an idea to start running it by the people you trust because they can really help make your dream come true and help your vision come to life. What is it like to have the freedom of working for yourself now and being able to maybe not start your day at 8 (laughs) a.m.? It is pretty cool, actually. It took me a long time to adjust to the fact that I didn't have to check in with each of my clients by nine o'clock in the morning because they weren't looking for me at that time. I did kind of keep a schedule with one client because it was so new for both of us. Do I have to sit here at this desk and look like I'm online from 10 to two every day? Because it's going to kind of drive me crazy. So there was definitely a lot of change and growth the first two years. Can I work from a coffee shop? No, I can't. Can I work in the library? Probably. Can I work in front of the TV? Oh yeah, I can work in front of the TV. What's best and most productive? And that it's okay to take a long lunch and it's okay to start the laundry and it it's like okay to do these other things. Yeah, isn't okay. Uh-huh. I am so with you on this because I've worked for corporate most of my life, really starting at like 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And there's this weird guilt burden thing yes. that it gets ingrained in us. Yes. And when I left, I had the same thing. It was like I'm walking around waiting for the shoe to drop or yeah. something. So how long yeah. did it take you to totally get past that? Probably a year. Wow. Because I was just so used to the corporate check-in and the be available. And see, now it's what, two o'clock on a Friday and I'm not at my desk. Yeah. Like, And it's not even handcuffs. It's almost like a full body armor. (laughs) Dr. Harris, can you relate to this at all? Can you relate to this? Oh, that is exactly why I quit my last job. (laughs) Micromanagement and just, it severely also affects your productivity. So if your boss or you're mm-hmm. always being feeling as if you're restrained or controlled, it definitely influences your mood and your overall and the emotional wellness as well as your productivity. Who can perform like that? It's just such a common mistake. It's it crazy to me that people haven't figured yeah. that out, that they will actually shut down their employees by behaving that way. I just had this yeah. awful memory of, working in a cubicle haven in the West End of Richmond and coming out of the ladies' room with my manager standing at my cubicle looking Mm. at his watch. What? What? And saying, where have you been? And I'm thinking, "Uh, in the bathroom? It's okay to go to the bathroom, right? (laughs) Like, well, you were in there for a long time. And I was like, oh my. And people are wondering right now, like, why aren't people wanting to go to work? Because people don't want to do that anymore. They got a taste of what it's like to not have that. And they're like, I don't want to go back. (laughs) Diane, it's not like everything was laid out for you. Like, hey, start a business. Life is easy. You've been through some stuff, as most women have, one of which was divorce. And that was many years ago. The decision to leave him was a process in itself. Analytical anal side of Diane did like the whole spreadsheet thing and Could I afford to keep this house? And could I afford to stay here if he wasn't here? What are my choices financially if I go and if I stay? And what does that look like? Whatever the choice was, I wasn't going to survive it financially. It didn't really matter if I stayed in the house or not. But I decided to leave the house, which was hard because, you know, it was a gorgeous house and I loved it. I wanted to be in that house, but not at the expense of him and his behavior and the demise of myself. So that decision to just separate from him was hard in and of its own. And then to have to go through the financial part of, I have to file bankruptcy. This is embarrassing. 
This is super embarrassing. It's embarrassing that my marriage failed. It's embarrassing that I have to file for bankruptcy. And it's embarrassing that at this age, I'm back in an apartment in the fan, which I loved. You had mentioned earlier, Jess, about being free, leaving this environment and being free. It didn't really take that long to adjust. When you're in the wrong thing and you Uh get out of it, you know you did the right thing pretty quick. It took longer to adjust to forgiving myself and moving forward through I guess, guilt, shame, embarrassment. And it doesn't really matter that everybody's divorced or that everybody's filed bankruptcy. This is me. This is not where I expected to be or wanted to be or thought I would be here. That was a long process for me. I think it was a little more expected for me. You have that really (laughs) organized, but nothing's going to go wrong. Everybody can kind of look at me and go, woo, that's going to crack at some point. But here's what I'm, I want to know is, so you actually made the decision, I'm going to get this apartment, I'm going to, from a financial perspective, how did you do that? I talked to somebody recently, just let me backtrack for a second. I talked to somebody recently, she's a young mom in a really, really not physically abusive relationship, but definitely abusive, controlling. And she's made the comment a few times, like, I want to leave, but I could never afford it. That's a little different because they have kids together. But like, how did you kind of figure out, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Step one, step two, to be able to just actually physically walk out of there. The credit card just wasn't that important, right? So that went away. The car I kind of needed. The priorities are rent, utilities, and food. And all the (laughs) other stuff can go away. So you just just chisel it down to the basics to get through it. Yeah. So I charged all this crap. I don't have it in my possession. And now I have to file bankruptcy because I can't afford to pay for it. But the reality is, is if you don't have the money to pay the credit card bill, then don't pay the credit card bill. And a lot of times I think people don't realize it's really the putting your head in the sand that gets you in trouble. If you call and say, here's where I'm at and here's what I can pay and you're doing something regularly, you can a lot of times stay out of hot water. Dr. Harris, the piece that Diane mentioned about the guilt and the shame, that is not uncommon for people going through financial burdens and divorce. What's your take on that? What would you tell a patient, for example, or a client? Unfortunately, I see this all the time. And when Diane was speaking, I think of also domestic violence. I can't leave because I can't afford to be on my own, right? So this is something I hear all the time. You know, they say divorce is like a death. We do go through those stages of grief. So going through those stages of denial, anger, or depression, all of that. And we can go through those stages at various times. There isn't a chronological order or there isn't a time limit on going through this. So just knowing, I love that Diane said that disassociating or detaching yourself from you are not the failure. You are not your financial crisis and having that emotional detachment from you aren't those things, right? You're just experiencing those things. I think just realizing that your emotions are normal when you are going through this process and really separating that behavior or that consequence is not a reflection of you. It is just something you're going through at that moment. That's a great distinction for people to make. I remember Uh I actually bought a house. You guys are going to love this. If there was a realtor here, they'd probably faint. I bought a house, 2011, somewhere around $250,000. And at the peak of the recession, it had gone down to under $100,000. Oh, no. And I mean, it needed a new HVAC. Of course, that was when people were like, snatch that house up. Like, don't worry about the fact that it needs a new roof. Don't worry about the fact Mm -hmm. that. And I remember the stress of trying to stay on top of all this and ended up filing for bankruptcy and literally just giving the house back to the bank and saying, take it. And actually that action 
took all the stress off of me because then I didn't have the weight of it anymore. And yeah, you got to climb that hill for 10 years to get your credit back and all that. But I think sometimes people need to like separate, like you said, Dr. Harris, just separate it from it being you and it just being this thing and dealing with it. Because the more you try to hold on, sometimes that's when people have health issues, right? I mean, heart attacks. And it's like better to just get the lawyer, file the bankruptcy and move on. Yes, I agree. They say the best thing we can do is really process our feelings, but then regain control over our lives and accept the financial situation. The worst thing we can do is deny it or ignore that this is happening. The best thing we can do is accept the situation because accepting it gives us a sense of empowerment. And then we can do what we need to do to get through this. But I've been divorced too. And what Diane said, I had to kind of chisel away those things I was used to having. And I actually moved in with my parents. I mean, you have to do what you have to do to reinvent yourself. I think this is something we've all gone through as well as many people that I personally know and professionally know. Divorce is very common. A financial crisis is especially common after COVID. The other thing is we've talked about this before, Dr. Harris, but it's the circle that you surround yourself with, the people that are genuine friends and advisors and people in your, you know, those are the people that don't judge. Having people that don't support you in every, the good, the bad, the ugly, it's also time to clean house when you find that you're not getting that emotional support. Because staying positive and being around positive people directly impacts our mood and stress level and our ability to focus. So we really need to be around people that are supportive to us because that's going to change the trajectory of what's going on. We need that positive support. I totally agree. We're just starting to find tons of that with flip-flops and tiaras. There's just all these great women that are coming out. Of the I world. know, I love it. <laughs> Diane, what tips would you give women that are in that paycheck to paycheck moment of having to get up at a time that isn't maybe ideal for their personality and having to kind of have that person waiting outside of the bathroom or whatever they're dealing with to follow <laughs> their passion and start a business? Living to paycheck can be very stressful. I will say right now, this time that we're in, there's a lot of resources out there to help people. Everything from food pantries to clothing giveaways to furniture giveaways. There are a lot of people out there willing to help. You need to kind of put your pride down and ask for help where you need it. Let's face it, after COVID and after 40, everybody's kind of dealt with something. Everybody can relate to whatever you're dealing with because we've all been there, done that. And I think some of it is just this like intuitive... You've got to get up and keep moving because what's the alternative? You Uh have to keep moving. Back to what you said a few minutes ago, you have to surround yourself with people that are going to support and encourage you. So when you come up with your idea of, hey, I want to start flip-flops and tiaras, you need someone to just say, okay, what does that look like? How are you going to do that? You just need one cheerleader to kind of support you and push you forward. There's also so many even online groups now, like we met through Boss Babes RVA. There's networks like BNI, all these women-centric networking groups. There seems to just be more groups that are intended to support one another. Generally, women are nurturers and want to help other women. They're willing to support and they're willing to share and encourage. And this didn't work for me. It might work for you, but maybe not. Or I worked with this CPA, maybe you should check them out. Or I worked with this HR service, maybe you should check them out. People are much more willing to help 
than you think. Uh But if you don't get out of your own way and ask for help, you're never going to know. You're never going to learn that. You're never going to see that. Your own emotions and self-doubt, you kind of need to deal with it quickly and put it aside and keep it rolling. That's beautiful. (laughs) Exactly. I love it. (laughs) Dr. Harris, we needed that advice yesterday, didn't we? (laughs) I just had a conversation on the way here where she said, can I just vent with you? I said, yes, for 10 minutes. And then it's done. And then shake it off. Right. And it was actually 20 minutes. And she said, so you're going to bill me for those 10 extra minutes? I said, yeah, I'm going to bill you for that because you went over your time limit. And we didn't laugh <laughs> and we got off the phone. But it's like you spewed it all out. You got it all out. You complained and fussed and vented. But don't let it ruin the rest of your day or your weekend or the evening. You have to keep moving. That's so funny. My husband and I had, we had negative day. Today's Friday, Wednesday. So Wednesday, there was just, it was like sort of rant, rant about this, rant, rant about that. And normally I miss Susie Sunshine. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go with this today. Like, let's just make it negative Wednesday. Let's let's just be negative all day and all night. And then tomorrow, wake up positive. And we ended up being the funniest thing in the world because I've never allowed myself to be that way. It was sort of fun. But you're right. You need somebody to vent to, somebody to get it out. That's why your circle so important because there are some people that will take that rant and actually fuel it and keep it going where you need the people that are just there to listen and then to bring you back. Have you guys ever had those girls that are like, you'll say I've had such a bad day and they're like, well, you should hear about my day. And then you're kind of getting into this like, okay, whose day is worse? Like this isn't accomplishing really anything. Yeah, it's like the water cooler negative that happens at offices and it's crazy how that negative energy can spread. Exactly. If there's anything that you can add to just from everything you went through, I mean, I know you said you had a plan, you figured out like sort of, okay, the must have bills, but from an emotional standpoint, any advice on how you progressed from that phase in life to where you are now (laughs) (laughs) for anybody that might be in it right now? The first thing I wanted to say is I drank a lot. I was going to say, we talked to somebody last week and she was working like all weekend, flying out of the country to make money to support the business she created during the week. She said she was taking classes. She said, I got to be honest. I mean, I'd come home and I just had this green tumbler. Yeah, like a green tumbler full of wine. (laughs) Okay, so I'm not sure we should advise that, but I think everybody can relate. We can all relate. I don't drink now, but after my divorce, I did. I was at happy hour like all the time. I worked downtown. Mm -hmm. I started going to happy hour like on Wednesday. Like you go Wednesday, then you go Thursday, then you go Friday. And then it's like, oh, it's the weekend. We might as well go out. That's just kind of what I did. That can even be less about the alcohol itself and more about the need for social connectivity, right? Yes. Honestly, I moved through that phase into the you need to take better care of yourself phase. And then I started going to church and I started my relationship with the Lord. And so that's really how I shifted away from it. Okay, what really am I supposed to be doing? Because obviously going to these bars every night isn't really the answer. So you figured out that spiritual connectivity that helped you. I did. And I served a lot. The church home that I was at for close to 10 years, I served a lot. I was volunteering a lot. And as you serve and volunteer and you realize everybody's going through something and a lot of it is a whole lot worse than yours. Yeah. So there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. that you brought into your life that were probably important and meant to be as well. That's awesome. And that volunteer work, they say, that helps with depression or it kind of takes away from what you're going through to serve others. That can be very therapeutic. Yeah. It really is amazing. So your business has been doing well since you said 2015. Okay. Wow. That's been a couple of years. Yeah. A couple, yeah. 
I'm curious how the business went through the pandemic. Did that throw you back at all? It really didn't. It didn't gain me new clients. It didn't change Mm -hmm. the current client. And it didn't change the way I worked because I was already working from home. I was already working virtually. Mm -hmm. When I first started Virtual Diva, my one client said, I'm not sure how this is going to work. So let's just try it out. So it doesn't matter if you're down the hallway or in the office next door or in your home. I'm still sending you an email to ask you to do A, B, and C. And you still respond Mm -hmm. via email saying that you've done A, B, and C. So what difference does it make where you're sitting? But we kind of had to prove it to ourselves that this could really work. It was 2015. So it was like before there was really Wi-Fi all the time. I don't even (laughs) actually remember 2015 right now. (laughs) I still had the Ethernet cord that I had to plug into the back of the computer. Yeah, I guess so. Do we have Netflix even? I don't think so. Wow. It was a little bit of a different adjustment at that point. And then a client, 2018, 2019, he did all his work through a website, like a CRM program. Everything he did was through that and through Gmail. Again, it doesn't matter where I am. If I can, all I need is the internet connection to access what you're doing. And I can do that from here, there, wherever. But again, that took me a little while to adjust to all that. I remember one year going up to Boston for Thanksgiving and thinking I could work from Boston at my brother's house because what difference did it make? It mm-hmm. really didn't. I felt guilty as a get out sitting in Boston with my family working. Wait, was that before you had that year of getting over that and feeling free? Were you still in that 12 month window? It was probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> because it just seemed so foreign to me that we could all be having breakfast and drinking coffee and I'm logged on like for the team meeting. Yeah. Just too good to be true almost. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that way every day. And I have since I left my corporate job in Joel. You know what? I didn't tell you guys, I haven't been back into the office since that day of COVID. And Diane, I mean, just the fact that you were able to create this company before COVID is amazing because so many virtual businesses have been formed during and post COVID. But the fact that you thought of this idea way before COVID, that's really remarkable. Thank you. Dr. Harris, what advice do you have when it comes to picking up the pieces of overall wellness when we've gone through struggles like Diane and most women, how to keep that sort of overall balance when things are chaotic and challenging? Sure. I think the most basic thing we can do is really take care of ourselves, make sure that we're caring for our basic needs, like drink plenty of water, exercise, nutrition, get plenty of sleep if possible, supplement the way you think and your positive thoughts have a huge impact on recovering from financial crisis or divorce. We think of those eight dimensions of wellness. Many people kind of see wellness as physical and emotional, but there's eight core components of wellness. So what we can do if we're feeling deficit in some of these areas in the eight core, when we say emotional, physical, social, environmental, intellectual, one of those components, if one isn't particularly weak, like we're going through a financial crisis, which financial wellness is a core aspect of wellness, maybe we can do extra spiritual wellness. We can go try yoga or mindfulness, whatever it is that's spiritual for you. We can enhance our social dimension of wellness. So let's start socializing more with our friends. Or maybe we need to go just take a class and enhance our intellectual dimension. All of those eight dimensions weigh evenly. So if one is deficit, you can increase your overall wellness by adding one of those other dimensions more abundantly into your life. I love you, Dr. Harris. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you a secret. (laughs) Since the time that we have met, 
I've had this yep. thought and I've never expressed it to you, but I've had it reoccurring. Oh, no, the thought is, okay, I have come very familiar and intimate with the eight dimensions of wellness since we met. And it's occurred to me, is there ever a time when all eight are actually balanced? Like there's always something. I've just had this question in my head. How do you stay completely balanced and well when you can never really control that all eight are in place? And I love that you just covered that because you can then have a little control if there's something that you can't control, like the financial situation somehow, whatever, that you can actually compensate by bringing more in of the other. That's I, brilliant. Yes, it's incredible. So of course, from counseling for 14 years, one of the biggest dimensions that I see that aren't in mentally ill or depression and anxiety is spiritual components. If I could tell you, if I could come up with the quantifiable research, all of these dimensions are equally important with mental illness. I see an overall lack of any type of spiritual connection. And I don't just mean religion. I mean, any source of I belong to the universe in some way, right? It's amazing. Most people that I see in a counseling setting or doctors even just think emotional and physical or everything. They're not everything. We've got all these other areas that we need filled. It's like, how can we fill up eight cups? It takes work to do this. But the opposite is illness. You either invest in wellness or you invest in illness. That's really what happens. I love it. I've learned so much from meeting you, Jess, and just being a part of this podcast that all of us have these dimensions that we need filled. I just had an idea. We need to get eight little tiny cups and have flip-flops and tears <laughs> logos on them and have them filled up. Diane's not going to want this anymore, but we can have them filled up with tequila. <laughs> but seriously, like some sort of um, visual representation of those eight cups and that if one is a little bit empty, you fill up the other one a little more. I love that. That's a good but Jill started this business because so many of those other areas were just being neglected just because I see it in counseling and I just see it in life in general. The commonality that I've seen through practicing counseling in these other areas, for example, someone that's depressed, they don't really take care of their bodies. They don't go out and exercise. So what is going to happen? You've got to have all these it gets worse. pieces or, yeah, or it's going to get worse. And that's probably why you were doing more of the social, Diane, is because you were filling up the social part of the dimensions to compensate mm -hmm. for everything else you were right. dealing with. Diane, I work with so many women that are single and divorced and have financial stress. One of the things I meant to mention is really having a recovery plan. Like you had mentioned a financial planner or get someone to help you with reinventing your financial recovery plan. So maybe it's going to a financial counselor, creating a new budget, decreasing mm -hmm. your debt. I don't want to fail to mention that that piece is so vital having a recovery plan. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have that recovery plan to fully recover as well. That's important. And I think a lot of people mistakenly think that having a financial planner is you have to have hundreds of thousands of dollars or you have to pay all this money. I mean, there's mortgage lenders that will give you your credit score and tell you what you need to do to get everything together because that's what they do to help you buy a house. And that doesn't cost a dime. There's networking where you can have financial advisors that you get close to that can just give you tips and help you. You don't have to pay for a lot of these things. And I think people just ignore it because they don't know where to go and they think they can't afford it. Yeah. And there are some government programs too. I've helped other women secure their credit scores and things. So there are programs out there for people. Great conversation, ladies, and happy Friday. Thank you for sharing so much and hopefully inspiring other women going through similar things. There's a lot of us out there. 
You guys have a great weekend. Thanks, you too. Ta-ta for now. Thanks for listening to Flip Flops and Tierras. We would love to hear your story. Send us a message online at flipflopsandtierras.com or visit us at Flip Flops and Tierras on Facebook or Instagram.